We need your assistance. You can use the kiosk. You can use the app on your phone. You can use your home computer. But this week, this week, promise God that you're going to give what you promised. We had asked that every member of this church, if they could give $100 toward this project. We told you it's costing us a minimum of $20,000. And we would appreciate your cooperation. So if you would use the kiosk, if you would use your app on your phone, a computer. This week, remember also that this does count your contributions to the church, and it is tax deductible. So if you need one more tax deduction, you've given your children and each other's gifts. Now let's give a gift to God in our sanctuary. Let's receive our pastor. God bless you. We want to be ready for El Nino. We heard it's coming in January, and our roof needs to be ready. Thank you so much to those of you that are given. I mentioned last week we had one member who gave $5,000 toward the roof project. Again, like Dr. Sadio said, minimum, it's going to be about $20,000, $25,000 to repair the roof. That's much needed. Uh, remember, uh, this Wednesday, we're moving Wednesday to Thursday, New Year's Eve. So don't show up Wednesday, Thursday, New Year's Eve. We will all be here. We're going to have a fabulous time finishing off the year here in the house of the Lord. Can we say amen to that? And thank you, Joe Douglas, and the spirit of praise. I mean, again, great to see young people ready to worship God. I, I don't even know how young they are. I forgot to ask them. When they were in my vocal training class, I didn't ask them how young they were or what their ages were. But thank you so much, Joe Douglas, and the spirit of praise. You can pick up their project right outside in the lobby. Pick it up on your way out, and uh, you, you'll be blessed. Right now, you're going to be blessed. Pastor Anthony Romo from Arizona coming to preach the Word of God, the solid Word of God. Hallelujah. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, if it's for Jesus, I think we could do a little bit better than that. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord, everybody. Isn't God good? I don't know about you, but as we come to the close of this year, I'm very grateful to Jesus for all that he has done. I don't know about you, but I don't deserve his blessings. Uh, he's, he's saved me. He's filled me with the Holy Ghost. I'm on my way to heaven. And, and that, that's good enough for me to want to lift my hands and lift my voice and shout and praise him. Only folks that think they deserve this have a hard time praising God. Only folks that feel entitled to all that they have have a hard time lifting their hands. But grateful people, their hands just go up. A grateful heart just can't keep quiet. They gotta lift their voice. They gotta magnify Jesus. I wonder one more time, is there anybody that's grateful in the house of God today? Anybody thankful? Anybody that feels like they don't deserve all of God's goodness and God's blessings, but he's been good. Turn to somebody tell him he's been good. He's been good. Man, it's so good to be in Union City Apostolic Church. So blessed to be here with you. Your great pastor, the Lopez family, the wonderful friends that we have in this church. We're so blessed to be in God's house, feeling his presence. Thank the Lord that my wife is here. My daughter's with me. 
It's not very often they get to come with me, but they're here. And so I thank the Lord for them. I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of nervous because the first time my wife and I came married here, we were expecting my daughter. Uh, my wife was about six months or so pregnant, seven months. And now this time we're coming, she's expecting twins. So I think that's the last time she's coming with me to Union City. Now I'm just playing, but pray for us. We're expecting twins here in the new year. So ask for your prayers that God would help us because we need his help. Philippians chapter 1, verse number 6. I want to get right into the word of the Lord. God bless Joe Douglas, a spirit of praise for taking us to the presence of the Lord. And I just kind of want to sow this little word into your heart as we finish off this year. Just one verse of scripture, Philippians chapter 1, verse number 6. I'm going to read it from the New King James Version. Very simply, Paul says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. How many of you know that God's not finished with us yet? Turn to somebody again real quick and tell them, God's not finished with me yet. Father, we love you. We thank you for your blessings. We've blessed you. We've magnified you. We've worshipped you. We felt you already in this building. God, speak to us today. We love you. We ask your blessing in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. You can be seated in the wonderful presence of the Lord. I want to talk to you for a few moments, if you allow me, on the subject, unfinished masterpieces. Unfinished masterpieces. There was an advertisement promoting a performance by the Springfield Symphony. The performance was called the Unfinished Masterpieces. Now, I know our first reaction to this may be, how can anything unfinished be rightly termed a masterpiece? This symphony would play such pieces from Mozart and Bach and others. Each was a masterpiece in the making when for some reason the composer stopped. One of the most famous examples of unfinished musical compositions is Franz Schubert's symphony which is commonly known as the Unfinished Symphony. The artist and sculptor Michelangelo is, is credited to creating 44 statues in his life. He only finished 14 of them. One Italian museum is dedicated to his unfinished works. You have large chunks of marble with perhaps only a hand or a leg finished. There is even a famous painting of President Franklin Roosevelt called The Unfinished Portrait. It was being painted by an artist when the president died suddenly on April 12, 1945. There's even a Roman Catholic basilica, a church called the Sagrada Familia in Barcelona, Spain that began construction in 1882 and is still not finished. Every single one of these examples qualifies as an unfinished masterpiece. But the question still remains, what makes these unfinished works masterpieces? I believe what qualifies them to carry this unique emblem is the composer, the sculptor, the artist, the architect himself. Many might look at these various pieces and not see much value and beauty, but the beauty and value does not originate in the object, but in the creator of it. It's the hands of the master that produce the masterpiece, not the materials. 
Understand me here this morning. You may look at your life and you may not see much value and beauty, but can I tell you your sense of worth, your beauty comes from the fact that you were created by the very hand of God. The supreme architect framed the parameters of your life. The magnificent artist and sculptor Jesus Christ formed the finer details of your existence, causing all of what was and is and will be in your life to be a symphony of experiences lovingly interwoven with God's unmerited grace and endless mercy. Somebody say, I'm a masterpiece. masterpiece because my life is a mess. I, I don't even know what 2016 is going to bring. I don't really have much direction in my life. Everything seems like it's falling apart and you're here to tell me that I'm a masterpiece. Look at my life. Can I tell you you're a masterpiece because the very hands of the master are on your life. I know you can't see it right now. I know you can't understand it or maybe even feel it right now. But God is at work in you. And as long as God is working, everything is going to be all right. Where does value come from? There are two things I believe that determine value in life. Number one, value depends on what someone is willing to pay for something. A house, a car, a piece of art are only worth whatever someone is willing to pay for them. The second thing that determines value is value depends on who has owned an item in the past. Auctions of famous people and their personal possessions reveal the value. It's enhanced by the previous owners. So based on these two criteria, what's your and my value? How much are you and I worth? The scriptures put it this way. In 1 Corinthians 7 and 23, in the New International Version, it says, You have been bought and paid for by Christ. So you belong to him. I don't know about you, but that's pretty awesome to me. Because who owns us? What was paid for us? The Bible says that Christ owns us and he paid for us with his very life. My net worth is not my self-worth. How much I have in my bank account is not how valuable I am. How much I own in this world doesn't determine my worth or my value. What I have or don't have doesn't determine where my life is going to go. My value comes from him. So whether I'm alone, I'm still valuable. Whether I'm surrounded by people or not, I'm still valuable. Whether I'm renting or I'm owning, it doesn't matter. That does not determine my value. My value comes from Jesus. preacher I'm broke that doesn't determine your value people have walked out on me in 2015 that doesn't determine your value your value comes that you were formed and are being formed by the merciful loving hand of Jesus I wish somebody believed that with me here today you are valuable to God we are valuable we are unfinished masterpieces Now, don't feel so bad today if you haven't finished that project that you started earlier this year. You're in good company because there are many of us just like you. But I want you to know today that God's not one of them. 
the great work that God has started in you will be finished when he returns. And it will be his masterpiece. Jeremiah 29 11 puts it this way. God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. The New International Version says, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. I don't know about you, but it's encouraging to me that God knows what he's doing. It's okay if you don't know what you're doing. And a lot of us are hanging our heads because we're saying, but Anthony, I thought I was going to be farther along at this point of the year. I thought this year was going to end a little bit differently for me and for my family. I don't really know what's going to happen. I don't really know what 2016 is going to bring. Can I tell you, I'm not here to tell you what 2016 is going to bring. But I can tell you this, he knows. I don't know what promotion is coming or if there's a promotion coming. But I can tell you this. My Bible says he knows the plans that he has for me. As long as he knows, everything's going to be all right. But Brother Anthony, I'm a planner. And I like to know what's going to happen next. Then living in the kingdom of God is very hard for you. Those of you that got calendars for everything, you are going to struggle in your walk with God. Because in the God's kingdom, you can't figure everything out. There are people that are trying to put a formula on when Jesus is going to come. And it's going to happen this way or that way. And they're more confused now than they've ever been. Because you can't put a formula on this. And some of us are stressed out because we don't know what's going to happen. And what has been happening. And why this had to happen. Can I tell you, God says, I know. I know the plans that I have for you. The Bible says plans to prosper me and not to harm me. Plans to give me a hope and a future. I must realize that they are his plans. It's not my plans. But brother, I, I have plans for my life. I have plans for my children. That's wonderful. But put it all in the hands of the Lord. Quit being stressed out. Quit being worried. Quit staying up all night trying to figure out what's going to happen. Rest in knowing that he knows. I may not know, but he knows. And I'm going to submit my plans to God. And I can expect God to prosper me and give me a hope and a future. There is a process that God uses to prepare us and transform our lives. Can I tell you that every single one of us in this room is a work in progress. God is not finished with us yet. And I've come to declare to somebody here this morning that where you are is not who you are. That your present situation doesn't define who you are. A lot of us look at our present condition and we say, this is who I am. No, you're there right now. You're at that financial dilemma right now. You're going through that family crisis right now. You're going through that emotional situation right now. But where you are is not who you are. God looks at you and he sees the plans that he has. He sees where you're going to be. He sees the kind of house that you're going to be living in. He sees the place that you're going to be working at. So don't define who you are by where you are. Turn to somebody tell them I'm on my way. That's where you got to be careful that you don't judge the person next to you by where they are right now. 
Don't judge them by the kind of car they're driving right now. Don't judge them by where their ministry is at right now. Because just like you, they're a work in progress. Things are about to shift. Things are about to change. And there's some of us that are so discouraged because all we can see is the here and now. All we can see is what's happening right in front of us. And God is saying, no, I'm not done yet. I'm getting ready to do some amazing things now. You just got to keep believing. You got to keep allowing me to work and move you to where I want you to move. Don't allow your present circumstance to define you. Your situation is not your destination. God is trying to transition you from where you are to where he wants you to be. You may find yourself in the midst of enduring trials. And it appears that everything in your life is being shaken and uprooted. God is simply preparing you to lay the foundation for your future. In this season, God must uproot and remove and separate from us anyone that would jeopardize his plan for our lives. It's during this season that we must become familiar and remember that it's not punishment, it's only preparation. God's not mad at you. God's not disappointed with you. On the contrary, he sees where he wants you to be. So he's removing certain people from your life. He's removing certain things from you. And maybe you and I have fallen in love with them. Maybe you and I don't see our lives without them or without those things. And God is saying, no, 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 no. Don't settle for this. I've got so much more to give you. Don't cry over this because what I'm about to bring into your life, you're going to be waving goodbye to all those things, all those people, all those places you used to be. It's not punishment. It's preparation. The result is the realization of your purpose and not your loss. Some of us are preoccupied by what we lost in 2015. What we had to let go of. And God is saying, no, 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 no. Understand that I've got a purpose for you. Understand that you've been settling for way too long. And so sometimes God loves us so much that he refuses to leave us the same. Even when we don't want to grow, even when we get complacent, even when we get comfortable, God says, you know what? I'm going to light a fire under him. I'm going to light a fire under her because I see so much more in her and in him than they see in themselves. Many people panic and try to hold on to things that God's trying to remove from their lives. And in doing so, you hinder the work that God is doing. They end up living in an unfinished construction zone instead of the place that God planned for them all along. If you're in this current state right now, don't panic. It's part of the process. Your ending will not look nothing like your beginning. What your situation might be, whatever it is, God is able to turn it around. He knows where you are and he knows what you're dealing with. Your situation may be the very tool that God is using to propel you and position you and prepare you for his purpose in your life. The Bible says, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it very thing that you're going through right now is the thing God is using as a vehicle to take you where you need to be. So instead of cursing the process, instead of aborting God's plan in your life, just go ahead and allow him to keep forming you. 
just go ahead and allow him to keep working in you because he's not finished with you yet. We don't care for unfinished things. We don't like the unfinished song or a partially told story or an incomplete life. We fear that our lives will end this way. That we'll leave something undone, something unfinished. We want life all bundled up and wrapped securely. We like to finish what we start. And there's a character in the Bible that I found. He's somewhat obscure in our text. We don't know much about him. In the Old Testament, his name is Zerubbabel. His name literally means born in Babylon. Under the leadership of Cyrus, this man gained permission to return to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. The Bible says that he laid the foundation, but then a 17-year delay followed. Imagine, you've got the plan, the blueprints, you've got the workers, you lay the foundation, and then 17 years pass, nothing. You start the project, but then something happens, and you're not able to finish. You start the ministry. You start the business. You start drafting up the dream. But then life happens. Then financial crisis visits your life. Family issues develop. You start, but you're unable to finish. That's how Zerubbabel felt. He felt like God had given him a plan. He felt like God had given him a vision. But then something happened and then a 17-year delay developed. Does that sound like anybody's life in the room here today? Brother Anthony, I really really felt like God spoke to me. I really felt like God brought that person into my life. I really felt like that, that God had opened up that door. I really felt like this ministry was for me. I really felt like it was my season. I really felt like God had his hand in it. But then somehow a delay develops. But God moves on the prophet Zechariah to encourage Zerubbabel. This is what Zechariah 4 and 9 says. Zechariah 4 and 9 says, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands shall also finish it. Here's this guy frustrated. Here's this guy feeling like a failure. He could start it, but he couldn't seal the deal. And then God sends his servant and says, go tell him that what he started, he's going to finish. It's taken some time and things haven't worked out the way he wanted them to. But what he started, his hands will complete. And I'm talking to some people that God has brought me from Phoenix, Arizona to tell you what you have started, your hands will finish. What God has birthed on the inside of you was never meant to stay there. But it will come to pass. It will manifest. It will be brought to light. God says, you started it. I'm going to help you finish it. Union City Apostolic Church, God started something through your hands, through your lives. Let me tell you, it's through you that he's going to finish it. It might have been delayed. Your dreams might have been delayed. The vision that God gave you, you haven't seen it come to pass. But I'm here to tell you, God will help you finish it. God promises to help us with our unfinished business. We start and we stop. We're like sheep, we go astray. We start something, we get distracted. 
We get something moving, then we lose interest. Things don't go our way, so we lose momentum. Not so with God. What God starts, he finishes. He started a world, and in six days he finished it. Zerubbabel, no matter the delay, you will finish it. And God tells him how he's going to finish it in verse 6 of Zechariah 4. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. God says, I'm going to complete it. I'm going to finish it in you by my spirit. You're going to finish it. Turn to somebody tell them you're going to finish it. I'm not just talking about this year. I'm talking about the dream that God's placed inside of you. I'm talking about the vision that you've had and God's given you. But things have happened. Situations have happened. Your life has taken different terms. God is saying, I'm going to help you finish your unfinished business. So preacher, as I'm getting ready to finish here, what is my response? As God's working, as God's finishing, What's my response to all of this? Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9. If you have your Bible, whatever you have in front of you, just turn with me real quick. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9. I'm going to read from the NIV version. Very well-known passage. 1 Peter 2 and 9. Watch what it says. The apostle Peter says, But you are a chosen people. Someone say, I'm chosen. He says, a royal priesthood. Someone say, I'm royalty. He says, a holy nation. Someone say, I'm holy. God's special possession. Someone say, God's special possession. Why? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. know why we have a hard time praising him this way because we don't believe we're chosen we don't believe we're holy we don't believe we're royalty we really don't believe that we're God's special possession because when you're loved you act love when you're appreciated you act appreciated and when you're underappreciated, you act underappreciated. But Peter says, when you know that you're royalty, when you know that you're holy, when you know that you're God's special possession, then your response should be praise. But I don't feel very holy, preacher. The Bible says you're holy. I don't feel very special. The Bible says you're special. I don't feel like royalty. The Bible says you're a king's kid. So you ought to be able to praise him because of who he says you are. So while God's working on me, what's my response? Praise. I don't know where the next check's going to come from, but I'm going to praise him. I don't know what the new year's going to bring, but I'm going to give him praise because I'm holy, I'm royalty, I'm God's special possession.
Turn to somebody, tell him he's talking about you. He's talking about you. Thank you. Come on, find somebody, tell him he's talking about you. I'm bringing it to a close now. Peter says, this is who God sees you as. His word declares all of this so that I might declare the praises of him. When I understand how God feels about me, when I embrace God's completed work in my life, this causes me to want to praise him. You look at yourself the way you see yourself. But it's time to start looking at yourself the way he sees you. Well, preacher, I I don't feel very holy. I don't feel very worthy. If I felt holy and if I felt worthy, I'd praise him. Can I tell you, we don't praise him because we're holy. We don't praise him because we're worthy. We praise him because he's holy. I know I'm not what I should be. But I can tell you I'm not what I used to be. And my Bible says that he says I'm holy. My Bible says that I'm royalty. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm God's special possession. So it's about time that I start praising him like I know he feels this way about me. The psalmist put it this way. Psalm 139 and verse 14. He says, I'll praise you. For I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And that my soul knows very well. So I praise him because I know I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. There's no example here of a work in progress. The psalmist says, I'm already made. I've been fearfully and wonderfully made. So while God works out the details in my life, so while God brings everything together in my life, my response is praise. I may not know what God is doing, but I'll praise him. Instead of worrying, I'm going to worship. Instead of panicking, I'm going to give God praise. God does all of these things in my life so that I'll declare the praises of him everybody standing I'm done when God finishes with us we will be his masterpiece God looks through our difficulties to see the end result and can I tell you God finishes things well we see the multitudes response there's your standing in Mark 7 after they saw Jesus ministering to those who were sick and in need. Mark 7 and 37 says, And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. Can I tell you, when God's finished with your life, when he's finished with the masterpiece of your life, you'll echo the phrase that these people declared to Jesus, He does all things well. He doesn't do it the way you and I expect him to do it. He doesn't do it in the time frame that we think it should be done. But I'll tell you this, whatever Jesus does, he does it well. 
So he's finishing the masterpiece of your marriage. He's finishing the masterpiece of your future. He's finishing the masterpiece of your family. He's finishing the masterpiece of your ministry. He's finishing the masterpiece of his church. So instead of getting frustrated, instead of worrying, instead of complaining, we just should praise him. Why do you praise him when your life is falling apart? Because he calls me an unfinished masterpiece. Why are you praising him when you're sick in your body? Because I know that he's not finished with me yet. I dare you to tell somebody he's not finished with me yet. He's not finished with me yet. He's not finished. And so... As we bring this year to a close, the next few days, my response is to praise. I mean, I know it may sound too simple for some of us that are looking for deeper things, but sometimes all you can do is praise. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. What about my children, preacher? Praise Him, and He'll take care of your children. What about my finances? Praise Him, and He'll take care of your finances. What about the church? Praise Him, and He'll take care of the church. If you believe that, throw your hands in the air and praise Him. Like you're an unfinished masterpiece. Praise him. Praise him. The year's almost over, but his work in you is not over. You might be confused right now, but praise him because he's gonna finish in you what he started everyone in this building that has some unfinished business in your life I want you to come and stand at this altar right now this year is about to be finished and you say preacher I I thought this was going to be done with in my life but it's still unfinished I want you to come you got a prayer request, still hasn't been answered. You got a door, but you're still waiting to be opened. You got a, a situation, but you're still waiting for a solution. On come, come, come. Because God wants to encourage somebody's heart today and let you know that if he started it, he's going to finish it. I wish I could tell you when it's going to happen. I wish I could tell you how it's going to happen. But all I can tell you is what I know in the word. It will happen. He will finish. He will bring it to pass. He will do what he promised you. It's just in process. So, my value comes from him. So, instead of it look being a mess, I got to realize in God's eyes, it's his masterpiece. Others may look at it 
and go, what in the world is happening? But in daddy's eyes, it's always a masterpiece. My daughter's five years old. She's in kindergarten. They do different coloring and painting projects. And she brings them home to me. And I'm still learning. But the first question I ask is, what is it? I don't want to say, wow, what cute dinosaur. And it's a dog. I say, baby, what is it? Oh, daddy, it's this. Wow, that's beautiful. And it goes on the fridge. Or it goes somewhere we can see it again. Maybe you would look at it and go, wow, that's a lot of paint. That's too many colors for one page. But in daddy's eyes, it's a masterpiece. And so you've allowed other people to call your masterpiece a mess. You've allowed other people to say, you're, you're, not, you're barely there. Oh, wow, I thought you'd be there in the company already. You've been there how long? You've been at that church how long and you're still there? Oh, wow but what you call a mess, my daddy calls a masterpiece. It may not look like much to you, but all of heaven stands at attention and looks down on us today and says, they're just unfinished masterpieces. You think it's great now? Wait till I finish. Wait till I complete it. Wait till I put the period at the end of the sentence. If you take the word of the Lord today, would you lift your hands to heaven right now? And I want you to lift your voice to him. If you really believe that you're a work in progress and that you're an unfinished masterpiece, I want to hear somebody's voice being lifted to the heavens right now. You think it's a mess, but my daddy in heaven calls it a masterpiece. So that's it, that's it, that's it. He's not through with me yet. The story is not over. The pr- it's not finished. God's still working. It's an unfinished masterpiece. That's it. That's it. Lift those hands. Lift that voice wherever you are in this building. He's not through with me. He's not finished with my family. He's not finished in my life. He's not finished in my situation. I'm an unfinished masterpiece. That's how he sees me. I'm royalty. I'm holy. I'm God's special possession. He's the author. And the finisher of my faith. That's it, that's it, that's it. He's not done. He's not done. He's not done. He's not done. He's not finished with me yet. I'm an unfinished masterpiece. That's it, that's it, that's it. So lift that voice, lift that voice. It's not over. He's still working. see myself the way he sees me I'm an unfinished masterpiece